0: Good evening. It's uh, time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 320, Field Day 2023, recorded on Monday, June 19th, 2023. I am your host, Neil Rapp. Call sign is WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Paul Bork, N1SFE. And last time here on the show, we were live from Hamvention in Dayton. Hope you enjoyed that. I was totally exhausted after that. I have never had... Hamvention's always busy for me. I have never had a busier Hamvention than this year. Uh, But it was great to uh, see everybody and do all that stuff, but wow, it took a, took a while to recover there. Um, but, uh, hope you had a a good one. And if you missed out, please, uh, please think about going in the future. Uh, it was great. Uh, had a record attendance, um, since, uh, they, they moved. So, uh, things are are always uh, fun at Dayton. So if you missed that show here on Ham Talk Live, you can listen anytime at HamTalkLive.com dot com or on your favorite podcast app. Or, of course, we're also on YouTube. And uh, after the, after I rested up from that and almost had everything put away, we turned around and left for vacation. So I've been gone for. Uh, a while, but, uh, got to go, uh, down to Florida for a while and, uh, went monorail mobile for the first time. Uh, I didn't take the satellite antenna cause I was, I was trying to, I was trying to use this trip as as a makeup to my wife because, well, at hamcation a couple of years ago, I, I got food poisoning on day two and on day three, we were supposed to go to Epcot. So, uh, because of that, I I kind of got sick and and couldn't go to Epcot. So uh, this was the the makeup trip. So <laughs> uh, I I didn't dare take the the satellite antenna with me, but I did take the HT with me. Did take a couple of hours to go ride the monorail, and while I did, uh, I went monorail mobile. And I've, 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 figured out a few things, uh, to hit the digipeter. It does matter which side of the monorail you're on. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it does kind of shield the RF. So I did the old trick I used to do back in, in junior high and high school, you know, put the rubber duck up near, you know, right along the window, right along the metal seam there, uh, of the, of the vehicle. And, um, that usually helps, but I did find out it it does matter, uh, which side, um, of the monorail you're sitting on. So I was able to, uh, to track on APRS, sent out a couple of messages, didn't, didn't really get any, any contacts unless, uh, that one gets confirmed by APRS, but, um, did give a shout out on a couple of repeaters and, um. So uh, got to enjoy uh, some time Monorail Mobile uh, down there, and also got to see Andy KK4LWR and uh, had dinner with him and, and his wife Christy, and and uh, even went and shot a video which which will be coming out here soon. Uh, short, shot a short video from from the uh, Skyliner down there. Uh, So that was kind of fun. I may have to go Skyliner mobile. I I didn't do that. So maybe next time we'll do that. But anyway, um, tonight we're talking about field day because uh, now that's next on the list. That's coming up this weekend. Um, So we usually have Paul Bork in 1SFE here to talk about field day and take some questions. And uh, so we're going to talk about field day today right after this word from Tower
1: Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thanks for choosing Tower Electronics. How may we help you today? We have PL259s, we have in connectors, we have SMA adapters, we have BNC adapters. What can I show you today? Where's the tower? Well, we don't actually have a tower with us, but we have all kinds of things you can use with a tower. We have power poles, antennas, soldering irons and meters? Where's the tower? (laughs) Ma'am, that's the name of our company. We can't haul towers to all the hamfests across the country that we visit, but we have almost every connector and adapter you would need to connect your antenna that's on your tower. I don't think there's a tower back there. I really don't. Tower Electronics, visit us at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or see our whole catalog at pl-259.com. Sorry, one thing we don't have is a tower.
0: And coming on the Tower Electronics Ham Fest scheduled July 8th, will be in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, and then July 29th in Winchester, Indiana. But uh, you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. Com.
1: At Ham Talk Live, we have a million dollar request guarantee. You give us a million dollars, and we'll do a show about whatever ham topic you request. Guaranteed. Ham Talk Live. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to ham talk live tonight. Paul Bork in one S F E joins us on the Orlando amateur radio club and hamcation zoom line. Paul is the ARRL contest program manager. Uh, he's just finished up his fourth year in that role and, uh, he's been licensed since 1994 and, uh, came out of, uh, some, some broadcasting experience and, uh, Started a station at the university of Hartford, where the general manager pushed him to get his ham radio license. And he is a, he is a townie. He's a, he's in Newington and grew up in Newington and, um, likes giving back to the hobby. And, uh, we always talk to him this time of year to talk about field day, which is what we're doing tonight. So Paul, welcome back to the show. Good to see you.
2: Hi, Neil. Uh, thanks for having me on. And it's uh, good to be here as always.
0: Yeah, somehow we, we messed up last year. So my apologies for, for not, uh, having Paul on last year, but, uh, there haven't been a whole, a whole lot of changes, but there are some changes, uh, this year. And we're going to talk about those here in just a little bit. But first, uh, for the, for the newbies out there that may not be familiar with field day, just, just talk a little bit about, uh, when field day is and, and, and what it is.
2: Okay well uh, Field Day is always held the fourth full weekend of June and what Field Day is is Field Field Day is a lot of things uh but it's really an on-air operating event which really showcases uh, a lot of clubs and and groups get together and they operate in um outside in parks and public locations uh and they they set up temporary stations for Field Day and operate uh almost as a, it's a practice for emergencies and informal contest. It's, it could be a picnic. It's, you know, and sometimes it's it's a, it's a club picnic, but it really is a showcase for amateur radio to the public. And it it showcases our emergency readiness to set up stations and, and, and to support emergencies and, uh, and really it's an opportunity to get on the air and and have fun and also to, uh, inform the general public what amateur radio is and what it is exactly that we do
0: now to add to the fun there there are some some point values that are assessed to uh, different things and to encourage different things to happen uh, during field day and and we won't get into that whole is it a contest is it not a contest argument because it's not a contest well, but
2: well, yeah, people you know, say
0: if you put points to it, it is. <laughs> it, it, really,
2: it, it really is what you really is what you make of it. And I, I, I tell, I, I get asked that question a lot. I say, well, if it's a contest, why are there points? So, well, it, it, it gives you a way to judge what you did last year versus, you know, you know, did we do better? Did we do worse? And some, some groups do consider it as a contest that they want to say, Hey, there's a cross town rival club. Rival club and they want to do better than them and that's you know that's maybe there's a crosstown rivalry and it's it is really what you make it of it. Um, so it you know yes there are points values assessed but it it kind of really is a way to judge um, how how you've done uh, over previous years.
0: Well, you know the points are there and, and, and it, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to dive into the controversy here. I've, I've got my opinion, but. <laughs> but but yeah everybody's got got their their opinion on it uh but it's a time that you can kind of judge like you said how well you're you're doing compared to other years and you know did this work better did that work better um it's a way to to kind of tell that a little bit so for for those people who have never been to, to field day what what should they expect just going to uh ham radio field day
2: well, I mean, you can, a, a lot of groups, uh, there's, there's public displays of, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just, there'll be a little public information booth. They'll give you a little bit of information about what amateur radio is. Um, you, you, a lot of groups will give you an opportunity to even get on the air and operate, even as an unlicensed, uh, you know, say you were an unlicensed tambor, just, uh, you brought your friend with you. If, they'll be able to demonstrate what amateur radio is and maybe even let you get on the air and, and enjoy some contacts and, and, you know, it's a, it's a good way to really network with, uh, with your local clubs and your groups. And it's so, some places, you know, some clubs have food, there's a cookout. And, and you know, again, <laughs> a lot of times they're in a park there, uh, th- there's actually a group near me that actually gets together at a at a farm and they have quite the uh, spread set up. They have a, They have a snack bar and everything. But yeah, they have uh, quite a bunch of different stations set up, and it's it's really kind of interesting.
0: Well, we encourage everybody to to get out and check out Field Day because it is a, a great opportunity to, to just get on the air and, and meet up with some people and get some uh, some tips and tricks from from other people and uh, kind of find out what this HF thing is all about, and, and, and as as well as VHF and, and UHF. But uh, and, there, there's a and, lot of HF ability there, and you may not yeah, have a license for that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and there, again, there, there are stations set up. Uh, uh, so some of the bigger stations will have what's called a get-on-the-air station or what we call a GOTA station, which its main purpose is to provide either um, uh, inactive hams, relatively inactive hams, or maybe um, – a chance for them to get on the air and even uh, someone who is might have a technician class license to get on the air on on HF and, and really see like what 20 or 40 meters phone is like uh, so that they'll allow um, uh, those people to get on the air and, you know, experience parts of amateur radio that they normally wouldn't. So it allows them to try something new.
0: Well, now that we know what what Field Day is, the, and there are the point systems and rules,
2: right. I just want to add before we get into yeah. that, Neil, yeah. uh, that if you're new to amateur radio, um, check out our website arrl.org/slash-field-day. Uh, There's a bunch of great information on there, and, uh, and you know lots of frequently asked questions lists, and uh, all all sorts of uh, uh, it's a treasure trove of information. So if you, if you, if you're new to field day, absolutely. I encourage you to check out the website.
0: Yep, absolutely. And we have that uh, link already in the, uh, uh, description of this episode. So, uh, if you need that, uh, link, it's, it's there, um, uh, at the, the end of the description. Um, but since we've got, you know, the rules and everything at which you will find on the website and, uh, all that kind of thing, uh, you know, we we don't get points for working the same station 20 times in the same uh, 24 or 48 hours that you're, you're out there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the rules, specifically the, the changes for this year, because, you know, the rules have been pretty consistent over the years. Uh, but sometimes, you know, things like the get on the air station uh, yep. may get a few tweaks and that kind of thing so the first one i see is that there is no limit to the number of contacts made by the go to station they're all worth five points regardless of mode so talk about that one
2: right so as i mentioned before the the uh, uh, class a class a and uh, f stations have what's called the get on the air station which allows uh again relatively uh inactive uh, licensees or even um non-licensed Guests to operate. And so there used to be a cap to the number of QSOs you can make from the go to station. Well, they, they've changed that where there is no cap for those QSOs. So uh, you can make as many QSOs or contacts from the go to station as you can uh, with no limit and five points for each contact, regardless of mode. So that's you know, by mode, we mean either Morse code, CW, uh, phone, or or a digital mode any of the digital modes we'll count as digital so so there' there there are five points for each contact from the go to station and there's also we've simplified the way the scoring is too so it's i, I think it's going to make it a lot simpler for groups to be able to uh, uh figure out how to calculate out how how many points you're going to get from their go to station it, it really made it, they really kind of streamlined the uh, the process so I'm, I'm hoping that that's gonna a lot of uh, a lot of entrants are going to find it a lot easier to to submit their entry without having to figure out all this funny math.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the go to station is there, make use of it for your, your newbies and your, and your inactive hams. Just get them on the air. Uh, I remember, uh, I used it for, uh, a boy scout merit badge. Uh, as soon as, you know, the, uh, the event started, We lined them up at the go to station and I ran them through and got them a contact for toward their merit badge. And that was the first two or three hours of the go to station. Um, so it's a great opportunity to get people on the air that, uh, may not have been on for a while. So again, no limit now. All right. The next one. Oh, go ahead, Paul.
2: Yeah, no, good. I, I was just going to kind of, kind of uh, emphasize what you were saying there about the, about the no limit and that that we really made it, uh, you know, the go to scoring a lot simpler.
0: All right, so the next one we've already been we've been uh, talking about the the wording on this one. So th- this is the, the exact wording here, and we'll talk about uh, what this means. Uh, you may need your dictionary for this. Uh, each contact must include contemporaneous direct initiation by both operators making a contact initiation of a contact may be either local or remote control fully automated contacts are prohibited and and now in english that says
2: <laughs> so, so, so there's a lot in there so what that, what that means is uh- when you go to make a contact and then, and, and, you know, especially in a lot of digital modes or, or even like with CW keys or whatever, there has to be a human operator starting that contact. And this really, I, I think this really speaks more, a lot to FT8 and those modes. So somebody actually has to start the sequence of calling CQ by, by, you know, starting the computer calling CQ and then somebody has to be there to answer it. So in other words, we, what it really is saying is we don't want to have fully automated contacts. So there needs to be a, an operator initiating the CQ sequence and an operator answering it on the, on the other side. So it can't just be two computers set up to do this all automated with no user intervention. You go away and have a sandwich, and you've made 20 contacts. In other words, you have to be at the station to actually, you know, manually initiate or respond to the, the contacts. Does that makes sense. Yeah.
0: With, with, <laughs> digi- with digital, it, it's easy to, you know, some people will do that they'll set it up and it will automatically go out there and make contacts right. and just keep track of them. And, and yeah, that's, that's not what so we want
2: here. The, the the second part of that where it says fully automated uh, contacts are, are, are prohibited. That, that speaks to that. So what we, what we don't want to see is, and there are ways we can do that with, with the digital modes is you can set up scripts and, and you know, and there's all sorts of you know, like WSJT is is open source, so there's a lot of other software based on that that can do that. Well, that, that that's not allowed. So in other words, somebody has to actually be there. So again, you you can't just let set the set the station up and walk away from it, and let it make contacts for you. That's that's not allowed.
0: And and you know, there there's some movement toward. That even on sideband where you, you just type in the call sign or it, you know, listens and tries to figure out the letters and, and, and automate that. So yeah, we, we're, uh, we're not counting that toward, toward this, but, uh, I know you mentioned you got a, you got a call already about the voice gear. So you might go ahead and yeah. throw that story in.
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I took a call the other day. I said, Hey, I, I have my, my, uh, my computer set up, you know, computer logging. And then that program has a voice gear where basically you can record yourself calling CQ and, you know, it'll, it'll do it. He says, I have it set up for an eight second cycle where I'll call CQ. Then I'll, going to receive call CQ again. I said, is, is that prohibited? That's absolutely not prohibited. It's a hundred percent allowed. I mean, that happens in contesting all the time, but when somebody comes back to that CQ, you have to manually answer that, that call. Uh, you know, so so somebody has, you can't just have the computer do it all by itself. Um, you know, so, so, the voice keys are allowed. The and I get a lot of calls too about people asking me whether F T eight is allowed because there is what's called the auto sequence where you'll start calling C Q and you have to manually start that. So there's the contemporaneous uh, initiation or the manual initiation. So someone's actually starting that. It'll call C Q and then when somebody answers, you know, it'll it'll answer it and it'll go through the sequence. All you know, but that's not. Th- that is not prohibited. The the regular WSGT FT8 mode and FT4 modes are allowed as long as they as as long as the mode can support the the exchange for field day. They're allowed, and, and, and it's not considered automated contact unless you are using some other software that that automates that. So that when the first QSO is done, it moves on to an excellent without any init- without any user initiation at all. It just does it automatically. That's what's prohibited.
0: Now, you mentioned something we, we should probably emphasize, too, uh, although I think people are getting better at this now that they've had more experience with FT8. But uh, you've got to support that exchange. And if you just turn on WSJT and, and just run plain old FT8, those are not going to count. So uh, kind of emphasize here the, the exchange in that.
2: Right. So, yeah. So, uh, again, the, the exchange, you know, you're ex- you're exchanging your, your stations class and your, um, ARL or radio amateurs of Canada section, which in the normal FT8 mode, it does not do that. It's normally exchanging grid squares in the signal report. So there is a, uh, there is a, there is a field day mode in, uh, WSJT that supports the field day. So you can, so it, it is, it is built in. Uh, you just have to make sure you have that turned on, and I, I find that happens with a lot of other events too. Like our our recent uh, international digital contest, a lot of people weren't using contest mode; they were using this standard FT8 mode, and it confuses the heck out of everybody because they're not exchanging the right information.
0: So make sure you've got that uh, field day mode turned on if you're running field day. Otherwise, it's it's not going to count. You gotta right. you gotta get that exchange in. Okay. Uh let's see. The other one that I have here, and and you'll have to correct me if I missed one. I've got one more, and that's for power output. Uh that the power output for classes A, B, and C uh have a cap now. So talk a little bit so, about that.
2: So I last in the last couple of years we limited a power output to every for every class, regard you know, regardless of what the class was. Everything was a hundred watts maximum. Well, uh, we actually had um, a lot of the outlying uh, groups out and set up remotely out in the field, especially out in like really remote places, like you know parts of Alaska or Hawaii. They were finding that 100 watts just wasn't cutting it. They were they, were, they weren't really able to make it through. So for those stations, which class A, B, and C, well, class A, A and B are uh, are portable stations out in the field, and class C is mobile. But for Class A, B, and C, we're allowing 500 watts uh, maximum. All other classes still remain at 100 watts maximum. So that's the that's the home stations, which would be Class D and E, and uh, Class F EOC stations still r- remain at 100 watts.
0: Okay. So do you need to watch that uh, power output um, if you are uh, running from home or the EOC? It, it is just 100 yeah. watts. But five hundred otherwise. Okay. Any other changes here that uh, I missed, or or well, I, I, changes that aren't super highlighted in the in the rules?
2: Well, well, this is this is an older change that happened at the, at the beginning of the year that does affect Field Day and other um, contests that support uh, that have. Um, uh, ARRL or uh, Radio Amateurs of Canada sections as their uh, exchanges. And that last, uh, starting on January 1st, the Radio Amateurs of Canada had changed their sections. Um So they actually split up the maritime section. So the maritime section no longer exists anymore. So now it's Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are their own sections. And a couple of years ago, they actually split off Prince Edward Island. So be aware that there are different Canadian sections. And I would Strongly recommend that if your logging software needs to be upgraded, I would absolutely upgrade it. I know a couple of the software authors have, have new field day uh, software updates that support the new sections. And uh, be, be prepared for some of those um, other section abbreviations to change. Uh, like there used to be a section called Greater Toronto Area, which is now known as Golden Horseshoe. So you may hear stations still using the old abbreviation, And uh, so I would definitely recommend going to the field day page and checking out the field day packet. There is a list of ARL RAC sections on there that is current for this year. So definitely familiarize yourself with that and make sure that you update your logging software.
0: Okay. And then uh, last, before we go to the break, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, where to find all this uh, information for rules and, and how to submit those dupe sheets.
2: All right. So uh, let me see here. org slash field day is the, is the place to go. And there's a whole bunch of information there. Um, so you'll look at, there's a resources and rules section. And the, the, the thing I keep pointing to is the 2023 field day packet that has everything you need at all about this year's field day. There's also some of those, on that web page, some of those files are available separately too. So you can take a look at the uh, summary sheet uh, if you want. To, if you want to enter by paper, there's stuff you can print out that you can mail in. But we really do recommend going to the uh, the online uh, Field Day web app, which is uh, field field-day.arl.org. There's a link. There's a link. So it's confusing because there's two. There's arl.org slash field hyphen day and field hyphen day dot arl But the the entry form uh, is is online and the easiest way to do to submit your entry is to do it online. Um, it it steps you it steps you through the whole process and you don't have to mail anything in. So saves saves a lot of paper and a lot of stamps.
0: And saves a lot of hours for. Paul Bork in one SFE.
2: Well, that too. I mean, that's, but, but yes, I, the last couple of years we've had about 99 or so ten percent of entries on, um, on online As you, you get an immediate confirmation. And um, if there's any part of those entries that are missing, um, like <laughs> there's documentation for certain bonus points you have to supply. If that's missing, it will tell you, Hey, we're still waiting for this document. And you can go back later and, and add it. And I encourage everyone, if you're submitting online, re- you're going to get a confirmation email, take a good look at it because it will tell you a lot of things. Because I have a lot of stations that will submit and they'll be missing something like the dupe sheet or, or Cabrillo file, depending on, on how you're logging. But the dupe sheet is basically a list of call signs and stations you work sorted by and mode. Well, we want to make sure that some effort has been uh attempted to make sure you don't work the same station multiple times in the same band and mode. So the dupe sheet is just uh, really, it's not a full log. It's just a list of stations you worked on 20 meter phone, 20 meter digital, or, you know, whatever bands you worked. So really what we want to see is that there was some, some effort taken that to prevent that you've worked uh, the same station on the same band and mode more than one time. So a lot of stations Uh seem to forget to upload that. And it will be like, well, I submitted an entry. How come it's, how come I'm not seeing it being complete? Well, that confirmation email will tell you all the information that you need to upload to make that entry uh, complete.
0: Okay. Very good. So Paul Bork in one SFE is the ARL contest program manager. And he's with us once again, talking about field day. And we're going to talk about some more field day stuff. Right after this word from ICOM America, right here on ham talk live. Keep your contesting edge and be a Field Day leader with ICOM. Field Day is amateur radio's most popular event and is just around the corner. On June 24th and 25th, more than 40,000 North American hams will come together to operate remotely. ICOM's robust and high-quality transceivers easily cut through pileups so you can work the bands and make those contacts. ICOM is the clear choice for DXers and contesters around the globe. The IC905 lets you explore the world of microwave. ICOM's new SHF portable, the IC905, covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, and 5.6 gigahertz bands, and 10 gigahertz with the optional transverter. There's some industry-firsts under its belt as well. It's the first to support the five major VHF to SHF bands, the first PoE-powered RF module designed to be at the base of the antenna to eliminate signal loss and be compatible with amateur TV and analog FM mode. It has the large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, easy digital mode settings, the GPS, full D-Star functions, and an SD card slot. The IC seventy three hundred is a high performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. It digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. It's the radio that changed entry level HF. It has RF direct sampling, fifteen discrete bandpass filters, large color touch screen, spectrum scope, and an SD card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF and VHF weak signal world. It's loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy, like smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Expect top performance on field day with ICOM's IC9700. The IC7610 is the SDR Every ham wants this high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that's changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. ICOM for the love of ham radio. For more information about ICOM's amateur offerings, visit icomamerica.com/amateur. You're listening to Ham Talk Live, the number one podcast amongst the podcasts with the words Ham, Talk, and Live in the title. Here's your host,
1: Neil Rapp.
0: We are back. Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Talking field day tonight with Paul Bork in one SFE, and we'll resume that in just a moment. But first, it's time once again for the N9 GSU Choke of the Week.
1: Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now here's Rick Garrett in 9 GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. I decided to take my friend who had never been out of the big city camping for an overnight parks-on-the-air activation. Well, the mosquitoes were the worst I have ever seen them. We kept lathering on bug repellent, and still they came. Finally, we saw lightning bugs. My buddy says, I give up. Now they've got flashlights. This has been the Ham Talk Live, Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett, in 9 GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick.
0: Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Be sure to you check us out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and tonight we are with Paul Bork in one SFE. He is the ARRL contest program manager and he has the uh indubious role of being in charge of Field Day, uh which is one of the biggest events uh in ham radio to be honest and so he gets to control the chaos here as much as possible. And so part of that chaos is finding a field day location. So, Paul, if I want to go to field day, how do I figure that out?
2: Okay, well, several years ago, the ARL added what's called the online field day station locator. It's at www.arl.org slash field Dash day dash locator and it actually will bring you up a map. So you can search by location. They'll bring up a map of all the field days near you. Now, cur- this year there are currently, I'm looking at it right now. As of right now, there are over 1200 field day sites in the database. So there's, you know, you, you type in your, your location or even a, a call sign of a potential uh, uh, participant, a, a group that might have a, like I know club XYZ's call sign is this. I want to know where they're going to be. But the easiest way to do it is to type in your um your your uh, your zip code or your location. It'll show you a bunch of uh, field day locations near you. As a matter of fact, Neil, I'm looking I'm looking near you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have to be looking yeah, at four, uh,
0: four yeah. one oh nine one. There you go. He-
2: yeah, there you go. So and again, so the map was centered around the Cincinnati area, obviously northern Kentucky. Um, so anyway, it's, and now is, is your is your group on there? Are you doing some? Yeah, some K, field
0: day? K, yeah. So I usually do too. K4CO is is in Independence, which is the one closest to me. I b- would believe. And then after I go there, then I run up to the Voice of America Museum at WC-8 VOA up on the north
2: side of Cincinnati. That's right. You usually do operate there. Anyway, so, yeah. So the the Field Day Locator is a great great tool to use if if you're uh, new to Field Day or maybe you haven't been to one in a while. You know, the last few years, things have been kind of – kind of uh not normal with with uh with COVID-19 and and all that stuff so you know a couple of years ago you know it was pretty much field day was not pretty much a home event so um there's a lot more groups operating out uh, out in the field so um they, they there's plenty of opportunity to find a field day location near you
0: all right so check out the locator and, and if you're entering the uh the address. Make sure you you fill that out completely.
2: Well, yeah, I mean there are. So one of the biggest challenges I have is that when a group or or you know usually a a club secretary or somebody somebody delegated by by a group that wants to put their field in the locator will type in the name or, or or type in their entry and they won't put the full address in and which causes the uh, the mapping location not to be able to find it. And so it ends up putting uh, putting them out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. And, well, we know that's not where the field day is. So, uh, you know, I, I know that the um, on the field day locator, if you are uh, one of the delegates from a club entering the information, make sure you put a full address in and, and make sure that, that that pin shows up on the map where it should be, at least close to where it should be. And, then, you know, the, easy, the easiest way to do um, – When you get on the field day locator, if you have an ARL.org website account, um, and you're logged in, it will default to your local, to your, to your location that that ARL has for your address. So it's nice because when I start up mine, it comes up with my, you know, uh, my area.
0: Okay. So, uh, if you haven't submitted your field day location, make sure you do that so people can, can find out where you're, Field day is being operated uh, this weekend. Um, when people are submitting the, the forms and, and submitting the, the, the reports and the dupe sheets and everything, Paul, what are some of the common mistakes that people can look for to, to save you some, some headaches?
2: Uh, well, one of, one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges is that in, in certain certain bonus points. If you're claiming certain bonus points, certain bonus points require some sort of documentation, um, and you know that could be uh, a photo of uh, uh, your educational activity, or you know some some require uh, documentation, or like the uh, you copied the W one A W bulletin. That's another one. Um, if you're going to claim that bonus point, we want to see. Uh, something that shows that you actually copied the bulletin. We're not looking for perfect copy. A lot, a lot of people think it's like a code proficiency test if they're copying on CW. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just to show that you actually copied the W1AW message uh, from W1AW. And that's, so one of the biggest things is, is bonus point proofs. We call, it, we call them proofs to make sure that you have uh, uploaded something. And uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is if the files are really big, like um, file size, Uh, A lot of big files tends to not work really well. So try to keep your file sizes down. I I think we want to see something under, you know, like three, four megabyte a a document. And if you have a lot of big documents to upload, you can, I recommend doing them in several um, sessions where you will upload one document, upload another one. Because if you try to do too many of them, the the site uh, does not accept it and, uh, So just be aware of the file sizes of the documents. We just really need something to be legible. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, high resolution or anything, but it has got to be something legible or something that we can read and, you know, prove that you had uh, proof of a bonus point that you're claiming.
0: All right. Well, Paul, I I think that's everything. Anything that you can think of that uh, people should be aware of preparing for field day?
2: Yes. So, so so field day, of course, is the fourth weekend of June. So that's this coming weekend, uh, starts at 1800 UTC Saturday. And, uh, uh, some groups who choose to, uh, who who don't choose to start setting up until 1800 can actually operate until 2100 UTC on Sunday. Um, and so that that's the field day period. There is, um, a, uh, 30 days or a month or yeah, 30 days from the, um, from the event is when the entries are due. So you have until the end of the end of uh, July. Um, and so just, you know, ho- hopefully you get out there and have fun and, uh, you know, make sure you get, get those entries. And again, uh, go to uh, org slash field dash day for uh, all the, all the info. And again, if you have any other questions, you can always just uh, sh- shoot me uh, an email over at the contest branch at arl at contests, arl.org or fdinfo fdinfo at arl.org
0: okay well that's how you can get a hold of paul bork n1sfe at a thank you so much for uh joining us tonight and talking a little bit about field day and uh hope to catch you on the air soon
2: all right neil thanks for having me a great 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 uh, great being on the show again
0: all right. Well, uh, good luck, everyone, with your your field day activities, and uh, hope you can get out and uh, enjoy those this weekend. But that is a wrap for this edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest Paul Bork in One SFE and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening, and invite you back next time. And for a list of our upcoming guests, go to Ham Talk Live. Com. So for now, this is Neil Rapp saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.
2: For 73 to you and your family. I'll be seeing you further down the log. You're 73 to you and your family. I'll be seeing you further down the log.